Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Masters of the Matrix. Today, I have a special guest, Mr. Bo Roberts, who is an athlete, model, actor, and director whose latest film, The Great Awakening, can be viewed on Tubi TV. He has numerous credits in magazines, TV, and film. Certainly a gentleman of many talents. So good to have you on the show, Bo. Thank you for having me, Greg. It's, uh, it's awesome to be here, which is in my my home but also now yours exactly so easy to be doing it this way isn't it mm-hmm. so what i liked about you right away bo was you know i, I was looking you up and you're a, a man who's continually challenged yourself into growing um into not just being you know who you were you keep growing and that's the kind of people that i really resonate with so you know you started you know as a model and then you ventured into acting and now directing. So, you know, I just want to ask you, what, what was that like to grow into those different roles? And what did that kind of internally, how did that challenge you? Uh, yeah, so growing into each role, uh, where I'm sitting right now at 30, 36 years old, I now view it as a long time coming. Um, and so it was just a, a journey. One thing led to another. So to go all the way back to probably the start of it all, uh, I would give a lot of credit to being in seventh grade, going into the library and seeing the DSM as the diagnostic statistical on uh, mental disorders. So it's like an encyclopedia of mental disorders and it, you know, um, describes all of them. And at that time, like I was still quite young, but why people do what they do and just, overall people watching that was a big interest of mine and that interest you know that definitely came to the forefront when i began majoring in psychology back in college and then from that point on um i also started a career in law enforcement and did that for about three and a half years and at the time it's like serve and protect and you know x y and z now i'm like yeah law enforcement it's also ground zero of human emotion it's raw very stripped down and you don't have a social media filter to hide from the world with so it's very much in your face so i definitely appreciate it for that aspect and then once i got into modeling that was something that was more that just kind of happened like i never aspired to model like i was a i was a cage fighter so putting on face screen for a living was not something I really thought of. And um, yeah, but then once I uh, got the smallest taste of acting, I immediately fell in, in love with it and actually was given um, by a few various agencies in uh, South Africa and Cape Town. Because when it gets too hot in South Beach, Miami, everybody goes to Cape Town, South Africa, and you just do one card commercial after another. And you know, I, um, for, it's pretty unheard of in today's age, but especially for a guy, uh, I had, you know, my room and board travel money, like pretty, um, every, all expenses paid three months, come to uh, Cape town and shoot car commercials. I passed on that. So I could actually go to acting school and really make sense of what it is. And 
once I began exploring, uh, the technique Stanislavski really jumped out to me. And Stanislavski is, I would say, the cousin of method acting, where method acting, you're living that character and going through it and so on and so forth. Whereas Stanislavski, you've already experienced certain things in your life that you can now turn into something that can trigger a, a very specific emotional response. And um, to me, that's what I naturally gravitated towards. Um, and it, it really helped me deal with, you know, some of the unpleasant things I'd gone through in life. And it was like a way for me to kind of honor this situation, unpack and make sense of that situation. And yeah, so um, acting definitely had my attention. And once I moved to Los Angeles, I began making a bunch of short films and really making sense of lighting and camera movements and just overall storytelling. And the moment I started directing, I made sense that I love acting and everything that uh, it has to offer. But at the end of the day, I'm like, as an actor, I'm helping somebody tell their story. Whereas as a director and or a writer, I'm the one creating the story. So that that's why, you know, I definitely made that shift more into kind of hiding behind the camera now. And because now for me, it's like, what message am I wanting to put out? What story am I telling? And how am I going to choose to do that? Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I want to get into that in a little bit about the storytelling, the storytelling side of things. I think that's absolutely fascinating and a lot of empowerment there and, and potential empowerment for people that are watching the films. So you're one that basically what I'm hearing is, is you could have sat on your, on your laurels, so to speak, and just had a cushy, you know, modeling career or even acting career, but you generally kept going and saying, you know, I want more. There's something more for Bo. There's something more for me. And now that you've sort of, you grab that thread and you started pulling that thread and it's turned into a, a nice fabric and you're just, it's growing around you and into you. So, you know, you say you're 36 years old. And to me, as a, when I think of directors, all the great directors are, you know, in their fifties and sixties and seventies mm -hmm. and they just keep going. So I just see a further refinement in you. If you're only 36 and you've already accomplished this much, you've already been a, a police officer. You, you said you've been a cage fighter as well. That's yeah. that's pretty that's pretty wild. Did that start when you were younger or or what? Um, it happened uh, concurrently with law enforcement. I um, I actually had some um, offers to wrestle in college, but I graduated high school talking to some professional baseball scouts from like the St. Louis Cardinals and and the Braves and whatnot. So at that time, I'm like, oh, uh, throw throw a baseball, play a game, and you're retired before you're thirty. Um, so that versus wrestling that you go to college for it and you don't really have like a, a means to make a, a legitimate income with it. Like, you know, the UFC, it, it began its rebirth back when I was probably a, a senior in high school, but it, it was still very much not regarded in the same manner that it is today. Very interesting, man. So like, and all of these aspects that you're talking about and, you know, modeling and acting and now directing, are you, other than you said you went to a school for acting, are you mainly self-taught or do you, I, what's your process there? Yeah. Um, hundred percent self-taught. Um, 
on ongoing studies at YouTube University. So um, uh, my wife, uh, um, her her work always creates a very full and busy morning for her. So often enough, I, I'm having breakfast um, alone, and I would just go on YouTube as I'm having breakfast. And you know, for like these three months, I'm only going to study camera movements. The next three months is only lighting and, you know, how they vary in contrast and, you know, sound and post-production. And, you know, it's just, just stuff I watch, um, on YouTube, uh, as I'm eating, but after about maybe four years of doing that, some of it stuck. (laughs) It asked you, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Bound to. <laughs> you sound like a sponge. And you know, I love that about people is that they don't have to just go and, you know, learn something from a certain perspective. They, they can sit there and this is the modern age we live in that you can really learn anything you want to learn as long as you have the intention and the willpower to kind of sit there and get through it. And that's mm-hmm. why I, I, I ask people, you know, for my listeners is, you know, find something that you love, right? Because if you're doing something that you don't love, how easy is it to just be like, okay, I'm bored. I, I'm, I want to find something else. And I think a lot of times this is where society is kind of unfortunately at for a lot of people is they've been pushed down directions where they're either their family has put them there or society has put them there. I know myself, I was, I walked that path, but I'm also at the same time, very thankful because there's lessons and experiences, experiences there. So I think that's very fascinating that, you know, you're, you're one that can sit there and just pound back YouTube and, you know, and compare continue to be accomplished and grow because there are absolute experts on there. And I find that really neat. Do you have a YouTube channel yourself or are you just kind of a, a, a consumer on that side? I, I have a channel that once upon a time had maybe 40 uploads on it. Um, but it, it was much more when I'm just making sense of like, Oh, lighting. So, uh, cause for me, like I would go to acting school, and then instead of going out to a bar and drinking, being crazy, uh, I would, you know, invite acting friends. I'm like, Hey, I have a camera and a, and a basic microphone. Like if you want grab a six pack, come over and like, let's ad lib through a short film. So it, it began that way. But even on that, just very, just no, really no intention on it. It's just, Hey, we're here for acting. Let's do some acting stuff and I'll shoot it. Um, but even then I would give myself a homework assignment. So it's like, okay, on this one, let's use light to make it look nighttime. And, um, you know, so yeah, it was, you know, self-taught, uh, online and yeah. So my YouTube page went from having like 40 and then, uh, it was, decided that um, let's you know let's keep some of these off of public view and show only your best work because that's what people are going to look at to hire you so which it, it makes sense because in in modeling uh the saying was that you're you're only as good as your worst photo so you know it makes sense so if i have some of my short films that you know i i just didn't care about anything and like half of it's in focus but i'm like that's not what I was worried about because, um, you know, I'm my attention is elsewhere. So I'm like, yeah, let's maybe not show that to a, a potential investor. <laughs> I hear you. So, you know, when, I, when you're saying you're the directing side, are, 
what's your intention now with, with your, with your path? Are you flexible in the terms of like, you'll go back to modeling or do you still model? Do you still act? Are you a writer? Are you focusing now just basically on directing and creating and storytelling? Uh, I, I I never want to like shut a door and lock it. So, uh, there's been this thing inside of me happening for probably about the past eight months. And now, um, I'm very happy to say like, I actually want to get, you know, back in like peak physical condition. Like, uh, I moved out to Los Angeles and, um, yeah. And it was just a very interesting, uh, transition going from like, primarily on camera to doing some stuff behind it. And then especially when COVID hit and the obscene amounts of Prosecco my wife and I went through, I'm like, yeah, I still have some COVID weight to get off. But <laughs> now like I'm actually looking forward to getting my body back on point. So who knows do that. And maybe I'll start doing some, uh, some modeling stuff. And yeah. Um, I've written about 15 feature film scripts, and right right now, I, I could grab, you know, in between like maybe six or seven of them, grab them right now and just go shoot them. And a couple of them I've written, you know, with me in mind for the lead character. And and now, like there's one of them specifically I've created. And this is where, you know, my, uh, you know, my interactions with my ego, you know, I was really having to make sense of it. And I'm like, oh, I love the script. And it's such a great launching pad. I think I might have aged out of that role. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I was really wanting to shoot it. And I, I believe very strongly that it definitely has legs on it. Um, but I'm like, uh, is it appropriate for me to still, you know, try and play that certain age range? And I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll, you know, it's a great vehicle. It's a script. But maybe I, I'm also going to direct it and hand that role off to somebody else. So it's, yeah, it's interesting to see how they dovetail and what comes into focus and that leaves. And yeah. And I think that's, you know, you know, I, I like that. I, I consider that a part of integrity. Like you're not, you're willing to realize that there's a party that wants it, but the bigger mm -hmm. party you sees it, that, you know what, like, here I am, I've maybe I've aged out of it. And I think obviously you must know this better than anybody else is like, you know, ego plays a big part in, in, in the TV and film industry. And, you know, like oh, yeah. I even watch <laughs> movies now and like, you know, there's people that are playing these young roles and they're like old. And it's just like, it kind of makes me laugh. You can tell these people and they got, they got, you know, star power and that's how they get the role, yeah, but yeah. it just doesn't mm -hmm. match what the story's telling. And, you know, someone like me, I'm like, you know, I, I can, I can see that and I can feel it. and just like, uh, it probably would have been better to go to a, a newer, younger actor. So mm -hmm. I, I feel you there. And I, I respect that a lot because, you know, as you see, that probably happens a lot, doesn't it? Oh, definitely. And yeah, the, the whole star power and I've been on sets where the executive producer's girlfriend, uh, she has a role in the movie now and, uh, or maybe it's this person's niece or nephew and let's just go ahead and throw them in a the movie. So, you know, I've definitely seen that. And it's interesting because for me to make my movie, um, I, I made it exactly how I wanted to. Um, like I, I know it was popular um, doing like a long take where the camera doesn't move and it's just uh, the actor giving up 
a monologue. That's not very popular to do in today's culture. You know, we have social media to where it's just people's attention span. It's like, come on, what, what's the next one? And you scroll from a beautiful picture of the ocean to some somebody gorgeous that's half naked. And then you go to the next one. And it's like, hey, buy this product. And it's just the, the um, drastic subject matter changes. So to just, okay, here's the camera. And you're just going to look straight down the barrel and just listen to what this person has to say. I'm like, uh, not everyone's going to be into it, but that's what I want to watch. I, I'm giving this actor their moment and their freedom to flex their, their muscle, not just you say your line, then we cut to you and you know back and forth. So, um, I, I yeah, so this movie it was shot in a way very much that I'm like, I, I did it the way I wanted. Now, as I begin to scale up and budgets increase, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when an executive is like, Hey, so I love your movie and all, all of this stuff. Um, so my nephew really wants to be the lead's best friend. What do you think? And I'm like, ah, well, it's something we can talk about. Like let's put him on tape and see what he does. So, you know, like scaling up to where you, you can really kind of, um, not make a feature film for $1,600 like I did uh, with me and one other crew member on set. I'm like, I would like to, you know, uh, scale up and uh, away from that. But, you know, the uh, the compromises on integrity and, you know, so it's, yeah, that's, uh, that's an aspect of, of filmmaking. Uh, I'm kind of interested to see how it goes down. And that's sort of the reality of, of the way things are done right now. Yeah, yeah. And so you have to learn how to walk that fine line, that so-called art, right? To say, okay, how do I ho hold my integrity intact while at the same time, realistically getting the money I need to get this movie done. And so yep. it's going to be interesting to see what you do. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and I was going to say too, like, you know, you seem like a guy that's bringing in your own sort of ideas and into, into film, like, you know, and I, I think back to movies that were made in the you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and now, and you're mm -hmm. talking about like people's attentions are, are sort of like just go, go, go. What's next? What's, what's next? What's next? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, like I'm, I'm going to ask you, so, you know, what is your sort of influence in, in movies in, in, in the past? What decade? What, what director? What, what, what types of movies? Gotcha. Uh, so as far as like a, a favorite director, um, that's not something I, I really keep tabs on too much. Um, to me, I explore and just see um, like the, the type of movies I typically seek out. They're pretty obscured and, you know, kind of weird. And then um, I, I do enjoy watching horror movies. So that that's definitely my favorite, like, main genre but in the subgenre of horror movies i'm like I, i've seen a lot of haunted house movies a lot of uh possession movies i'm like i know the format <laughs> throw me a curveball something that's gonna you know like oh i didn't didn't see that one coming so you know that those are the kind of movies that you know that i go for but if it if it becomes very formulaic like okay uh, family inherits old creepy house. They move in, haunting happens. They expel the ghost, and uh, happily ever after. 
or is it, you know, I'm like, yeah, I get that. But, you know, when you take me on the ride, so, um, uh, um, was it uh, French new wave, uh, the French new wave of filmmaking, the way I make sense of what that means and what that means to me is instead of just shooting something in a very straightforward manner, you just do kind of a creative take on it to tell the same exact story, but, but you just repackage it and give it a fresh look. So, you know, if somebody can do that, then, you know, that's a good way to win me over. Hilarious. That's amazing. So now you said a a new, the French wave. So that's something I probably never even heard of now. Like this is the interesting part is, you know, what I've noticed on TV and we, and we think about, so I know you're into psychology. You obviously have a degree in psychology or you've learned psychology. And I think that's an important thing to understand sort of the human psyche, right? Both on an individual and collective level. And you don't know much about me, but I'm a basically a spiritual teacher and energy healer, and I'm, I'm an artist as well. So that was my connection to you. And um, obviously a lot of the mysterious and the magic that uh, I, I love in life, like I'm always searching for that magic. Mm-hmm. And I, I noticed, you know, when I'm watching you know, sort of like Netflix or Amazon, I'm very careful what I'm kind of put into my consciousness now, because like we were just talking about, a lot of this is just the same cookie cutter recipe. And a lot of it's just like fast paced and as much explicit gore as you can even imagine, like back in the seventies and eighties, you know, the audience was left to their imagination a lot of times to figure out, you know, what that looked like. Now it's like explicitly drawn for you. I'm just like, I'm turning away a lot of the times, man, in these movies. I'm just like, Ooh, like that's intense. Like I still remember back in the day when, you know, things were a lot more gentle and the imagination was used, but that's sort of where we're at now. And that just is what it is. So as far as psychology is concerned and the human collective, and what's being manifested in movies and what people are sort of drawn to. What are your sort of thoughts on that? Like as to where the human collective is, what is being watched and how can we sort of set ourselves up differently or how would you set yourself up differently to say, you know, I'm, my name is Bo and this is my movie. How do I set myself apart from what everyone else is doing while maintaining someone likes attention? Um, so yeah, I would say if you want to set yourself apart and um, just kind of make sense, because it seems like the, the question has a lot to do with what's in the ether right now and, you know, what's the overall mentality. So to really have a good grasp, I would definitely suggest that any viewer watching, check out the documentary Nightmares and Red, White and Blue. Um, it changed my entire perspective on filmmaking. <clears throat> um you have like George A. Romero and uh, just just one major heavy hitter in horror movies uh, after another. Um, and all of them are on camera talking about what they thought about and why they made the movie this way and their intentions behind it. And to basically give the broad strokes of what this is, is um, like in the 50s, post-World War II. So a lot of movies were apocalyptic about the atomic bomb dropping. Then you fast forward into the 60s, Summer of Love, drug experimentation. So a lot of movies were about like this drug-fueled, hippie, crazy person kidnapping Daddy's Little Angel and, you know, that basic type of storyline. 
then you get to the 70s and that's when the summer of love ended now we have vietnam we have watergate um have kind of a bad taste in our mouth so movies they mirrored that by turning ultra violent so entering texas chainsaw massacre and stuff like that um um yeah so for me i've made sense of that like oh I need to look at what's happening in the world around me, but also stuff that you just have to kind of feel out, like what's the overall sentiment back to what's in the ether. So for me, the way I, I was trying to, you know, do the same thing, but be different and put my stamp on it was um, my movie, The Great Awakening is my COVID movie, but it's not a movie about somebody getting the virus it's not a movie about the virus mutating you into a monster it's not about lockdown and the mass enslavement of humankind and you know uh, uh, that stuff to me is a pretty small and easy jump to get to so i began thinking what does 2020 mean to me you know so we have covid introduced um lockdown was announced but not put into place now they're saying, okay, lockdown is going to be enforced all over the world. Now murder hornets are on the news for whatever reason. And uh, I didn't even hear what happened at the end of that. The CIA released over 10,000 documents confirming um, interactions with UFOs. And that was not even trending on social media. We had a very turbulent election year. So uh, to take all of that and put it into one word, um, I would say uncertainty. I had no idea what was going to come next. Like 2020, that it, it was a trip. So um, my COVID movie plays on the emotion of uncertainty. So as you watch it, you can make sense of things that are happening. Like the movie opens with a girl taking the garbage out and you can watch it and it makes sense and you're not lost in what's happening. But you don't know why things happen the way they do. Why is she wearing a ball gown with beautiful diamond earrings? And why is she having a staring contest with her neighbor before she takes the garbage out? So that's my way to just kind of make people feel uncertain and kind of question, like, why is it being played out in the manner that it is? Very cool. And, uh, you know, very thoughtful. And uh, very and unique you. because uh, that's what we need. I think, you know, we are part of this collective, this ether, as you call it. And uh, we are experiencing the same types of energy just in different ways. So I think it's really important that, you know, we still have that individuality um, and, you know, we're able to make sense of ourselves separately than just a part of a big group. And that's what I appreciate about you already. As, as we're talking, I'm growing more and more respect for you because these are the types of people that are, are, you know, here to help sort of change the world in the way that, you know, remember sort of the, the truth of who we are and not just that we're just a part of this big glob of collective and that we're just all supposed to be scared and in mm -hmm. under control of whatever it is trying to control us, right. That we all have the choice to decide. We all have the choice to, to create from a place of like true intention instead of just copying each other's work. And, you know, I, when I see Netflix, it's hilarious. When I see a film that's out, there's like five copies of it within the next six months, just with different names. Have you noticed that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. 
And these movies get made like time and time again. Like, you know, back in the day, there was the, the illusionist, uh, it was with, uh, Clyde Barker. Was it? I think so. I think so. And then there was another movie that was basically the exact same premise with not, more big actors. It was actually a pre- pretty good movie, but it was a, about like an 18, 1800s uh, magician. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. if you've seen that. Everybody listening that have seen that, they're actually both oh, really yeah. good movies. Hugh Jackman was one of them. Was in one. Oh, sorry, back in uh, two thousand six. But what was the one before that? Uh, the Illusionist, I think. Did I say that right? I could be mistaken, yeah. but I swear it. Like so, those were very similar, and I mean mm-hmm. those 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 happen so many times that when I'm watching it, I'm like, so where where is that coming from? Is that are, are people grabbing that? Storytell is grabbing that from the ether, so to speak, and saying, okay, it's time to be a, made a, a movie about 1800s musicians. Mm-hmm. And there's room to make three or four of them. Or, right. or maybe there's the, maybe there's the background side of it where like people are, our studios are like, okay, well we have, we have a budget of 5 million. That one has a budget of hundred million. There's people, there's still a hunger for this type of uh, storytelling. Mm-hmm. We, there's room for it. Or is it all just made at the same time? And they don't know. Uh, so back to my whole, um, COVID example. Yeah. Like you're going to have a lot of COVID movies come out cause it, it hit, it's very timely and it's a major event that everybody in the world essentially is, uh, aware of. So yeah, you will have a lot of movies come out, but yeah, it's interesting. They're, um, to switch genres, they're about to come out with an Elvis music movie. You know, before that, it was A Star is Born and um, the movie with Elton John. And, um, you know, it's just, okay, we're just going to make a big slate of iconic musicians doing their stuff, you know. And so that's, to me, that's what the current trend is. And this took off. It's very popular. So we're going to beat that drum for a bit. But I would say that's more trendy, but it's not what the actual, you know, sentiment and you know kind of what the underlying things are and that's you know back to it that's why watching um horror movies that's why i love them so much is just because the monster often enough is symbolic to something going on in a character's life right so um, the prime example for this movie on netflix is called um, his house and it's beautiful. The, the way it's shot, acted, it, it's like all in all a superb movie, in my opinion. But when you watch it, it has like a haunted house feeling. But then you have the symbolism that kicks in. And then you have the grand reveal of, okay, what is the, the scary thing actually representing? And so that's why uh, I think in horror movies, it, there's more of a, you know, back to ether. And right now, I chose to run with the emotion of uncertainty. So I will not be surprised to see other horror movies come out to where you don't really know what's happening. And, um, you know, it, it was like back to nightmares in red, white, and blue. Um, when movies jumped all the way up to the nineties, we didn't really have a bad guy. We didn't have someone we can point at and be like, that's the villain. That's who we, you know, as a country and people need to fear and whatever. So all of a sudden, horror movies turned into, oh, well, the killer is somebody you already know or somebody that you've had a chance encounter with. So 
Scream, I Know What You Did Last Summer, and, you know, all of those similar movies. Um, so to me, the horror movies make sense of, you know, they, I think they tap into something that's a bit more subtle than what, you know, maybe a romantic comedy and, um, you know, some, I don't know, drama movies may do. Totally. And, you know, and I think they also reflect that sort of, uh, darkness within us all that some of us, either we explore or we, we've left unexplored. And this wouldn't be masters of the matrix if we don't get into a little bit of that, because I'm all about the magic and the mystery and uh, going into the unknown and about consciousness and the paranormal. So, you know, would you get, before we get into that, would you consider yourself a spiritual person? Bo? Um, spiritual and, um, yes and no. Like there's not like a particular, uh, practice uh that i follow right now um one thing uh, i would actually like to get back to because the way it changed and how quickly things change but meditating like it's just like i was sharp on everything hyper focused but uh, i also began feeling like i was in tune with things that i couldn't yet you know make sense of but uh yeah so that's one thing um, you know, as far as being spiritual that uh, I would like to get back in tune with, cause yeah, I was like, there's something else going on. Um, and then you know, I just fell off the bandwagon with it. I hear you, man. And you know, I, I practice meditation an hour a day at least. And it's something that has totally changed my life as far as like energy and focus and intuition and guidance. And it's something that you, the left brain can't really label right and i think that's where some of the magic is and you know if i can recommend to people out there that they try adding a little bit even if it's five minutes a day and whatever mm -hmm. you do whether you're at work whether you you know are an artist or you're you're a blue collar or, or a white collar worker you know adding this to your day even for a few minutes is going to give you that energy it's going to give you that focus and to actually grab information that's not necessarily just sitting in your left brain it's a part of that intuition. And I think that's where a lot of these, a lot of magic comes from. It comes from this unknown. It comes from this like place of us that we actually don't really know that we can't access with, with the left brain. So the reason why I kind of started with that question is because I wanted to get into the sort of the paranormal side. Like I'm wondering why you're into the horror, why you're into sort of the, the thriller, the paranormal. Have you had experiences <clears throat> yourself? I, I have, um, yeah, I definitely had multiple experiences with a paranormal, but the reason uh, horror movies jumped out to me so much was growing up, my, my aunt Sheila worked at movies to go. And this is before blockbuster came to town. Um, and probably some viewers watching are like, what's blockbuster. <laughs> so I'm dating myself officially now. Um, but each night she, uh, she could come home with a, a couple movies and we would watch them and more times than not, it would be a horror movie. So, you know, at a very early age, I was probably in third grade. Um, and it was, I think I was in fifth grade home alone during a thunderstorm sitting on my bed. And that's how I first watched the movie, the exorcist. Oh um, so it was like, Oh, this is prime viewing. <laughs> um, yeah. So just doing stuff like that, um, you know, kind of the, um, you know, that aspect of the fun of being, uh, of being scared and, um, whatnot, I, I definitely got into that, but now that I'm making sense of 
the types of stories that can be told with horror, um, how it digs deeper under the surface. It's, um, yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm into it. But as far as interactions I've had, um, let's see. Well, growing up, um, my, my parents used to get freaked out until they said, well, it's just, they convinced themselves it was my imaginary friend. But, uh, one night I came into the bedroom and asked, you know, who's a, who's a lady in my bedroom. And I was probably, you know, preschool if that. And they, um, my dad, of course, got super freaked out, grabbed a baseball bat, went through the house, you know, searching it. And I kept saying, no, it's a pretty lady with yellow hair and a blue dress. And she would just stand at the foot of my bed and just smile at me. And they said, oh, that's your guardian angel. And it was not like a one and done occurrence. Uh, I have no memory of it, but apparently it happened like upwards of like five times. So start off very early. And then um, when my father uh, lived out in the country, grandma lived next door. And then... um, so one night I just wound up sleeping at my uh, grandma's house because uh, my, my cousin came to town. I was hanging out with him, but then he got a text to go out to a party. So then he, he leaves, but it's just dropping buckets and buckets. It was a nasty storm. I'm like, dude, you shouldn't leave. Like what kind of a party is that going to be? Um, but he does, he leaves. And um, all of a sudden the, um, uh, lightning strike came in and it knocked out power all throughout the house so i'm sitting there and just trying to doze off to sleep and all of a sudden i could hear somebody talking to me from the closet and i started getting super freaked out naturally um but then i made sense that it it, it was a, a game called you don't know jack and it it was like the host had a very smart uh smart aleck type of personality about him like come on, man, how many players are we doing? What game mode are we doing? But um, the thing that really scared me was it kept changing game modes. Like it would begin speaking. And then um, before it would finish, it would change game modes. And this went on for five to 10 minutes. And then the power finally came back on. And I finally got the courage up to uh, swing, uh, swing open the door and like shut it off. And I opened it and immediately I began, uh, and I was 16 years old, immediately began screaming for grandma to come save me because <laughs> the thing was laying on its side without batteries in it. Oh my God. So to me, I'm like, uh, I'm going to chalk that up to a lot, a lightning strike, put a surge through the house <laughs> and it charged this thing that had no batteries in it. So it could keep operating for 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. That, let's let's yeah. go with that one, yeah. and then, um, and then the house I moved into just before I moved from Indiana down to Florida, um, things would constantly happen um, to the point that I named whatever was with me. I named it Jester because it wasn't something that was like bad, bad, but it would mess with me. So like, like clockwork, every time I would go into the shower get under the water and get wet, the doorbell would ring. And and it got to the point that I wouldn't even go check the door because it used to be like, I'll put the towel on and run outside and check it. Nobody would be there ever. So I'm like, you got me, Jester. So so that happened. And then um, 
you know, if, if I'm down in my basement watching TV, I just got used to like hearing the creaks in the floorboards uh, and you could hear somebody um, uh, walking around upstairs, but I lived alone. So, you know, that, you know, that threw me off, which uh, to tie in with, with my sister, Cheyenne, when she was at that age that kids are too young to lie, I'm in that same hallway with her and we're playing red light, green light. And her, her eyes made my blood, blood run cold because it was like red light, green light. And she's, you know, doing this, doing that. And then she goes, I'm a doggy now. And I was like, what? And and she kept talking about this uh, this guy that would be in her bedroom and he didn't have legs and he would be near the ceiling and he had a black brim hat on. And so let's see that. So that happened. And then um, the, a a few times I ran from my own home because on Sunday, every door, every window's open, just fresh air, just, you know, clean everything out. I'm vacuuming, mowing the lawn, doing stuff like that. And uh, I'm vacuuming. And all of a sudden my surround sound system, uh, which is only geared for my TV because uh, it's in the basement. You don't have, the antenna doesn't catch on to any channels. All of a sudden, my surround sound turned on. Somehow, was on the AM station and in between stations, and the volume got cranked all the way up. So I'm vacuuming, and all of a sudden, just <laughs> and uh, I just bolted and left. <laughs> so you had that happen, and then you have. Um, the um a very interesting case because this one had a lot of people i'm talking about 15 people experienced it nobody knew what to make of it so um my girlfriend at the time uh was throwing like a surprise birthday party so a bunch of of her college friends came over and were in the basement and she was leaned up against the closet door in the basement and she's talking and she was mid sentence. So everybody was looking at her and something hit the inside of the door hard enough to make her come up and, you know, look back and stop her dead in her tracks. And, it, you know, they screamed and was, you know, uh, reacted appropriately. And then they got really freaked out because I opened the door and there was nothing touching the door and there was nothing like if there was a giant box in there, I'm like, could it have hit the door and swung back? Like has the weird pendulum thing going on? No. Like the only thing tall enough was a broom that was like six feet away, leaned going away from, from the door. So had about 15 people experienced this thing happening. Nobody knew what it was. And then you have, uh, the times that people actually began seeing things. So um, my uh, good friend, Tim, uh, he moved in and, and um, yeah, so he's down in the basement and he's watching a movie with the, with his girlfriend at the time or uh, some, some girl that he was dating um, and they're watching it. And she's like, I thought you said Bo had to work tonight. And he said, he is. Why? Well, I just saw him walking, walk downstairs and go into the laundry room. So Tim got up and said, Bo, are, are you, are you home early? What, what's up? And he went in, turned on the light. Nobody was in there. The girl got so freaked out that she, um, 
that she actually got up and left and refused to talk to him again after that. Like she, it, it was a hard, it, it was a hard break for her. Um, and, and the really bizarre thing about it was that happened. And then, um, that, that's the same girl that I was dating. We're watching TV and she thought she saw Tim come downstairs and go into the laundry room. But it was after that thing happened and it, it happened like three days apart. So I'm like, this is nuts. So then we can fast forward all the way to me. Um, like I handed the keys to, to the house to my father. Uh, he used to taunt me saying, oh, you think your house is haunted, but it's just your first time being on your own and this and that, and you're spooking yourself. Well, now I'm in Florida. He calls me up and he's like, you know, all of that stuff you said was happening, but it's still happening. You know, the, anytime I go in the shower, the doorbell's going to ring and so on and so forth. And, uh, and then, um, when I moved in, there was just this ridiculous mural that I'm like, yeah, I'm going to keep that in my house. It's awesome. It was like an oil painting of like, some guy wearing a sarong and shirtless and just like wrestling an ox to the sand, like just, <laughs> and it was like four foot tall. I'm like, that's, I'm keeping it, whatever. <laughs> so he could not stand it at all. Um, so the moment he moved in, he got rid of it. And he said, shortly after he got rid of it, everything stopped. Like the occurrences that would take place in the house and Cheyenne, uh, her saying that she, you know, kept seeing somebody, all of that stuff just stopped uh, once that painting left the house. And then we fast forward to, you know, maybe five years after that, uh, I, I now fly into town. I'm staying at my mom's house and she has like kind of a basement main floor. And then the top floor has a couple bedrooms, but then the bedroom on the end, if you open the door on the forest side, that takes you into like the, the typical attic. So instead of going up into the attic, you just walk through a doorway and you're in it. Well, I decided to sleep in that room because I, that's something I had never done. And I kept having a very off feeling and I'm like, what is going on? But it got to the point that I actually went back into my room and slept the rest of the night. Cause I'm like, I was on high alert because of whatever I was dealing with in that room the next day, um, going down memory lane. So, um, I always go into the attic to look at my magic gathering playing cards and pogs and baseball cards and stuff like that. So, um, I went into the attic, I opened it and that damn painting was leaned up against the wall. So he didn't get rid of it. He just gave it to my mom. Cause it, you know, it's a big, nice painting. And I'm like, yeah, that's a scary movie script. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that, that's you know, those are, yeah, so that was a trip. <laughs> wow. So do these things like follow you around or are they, are they still happening to you now? Now that you're with your, your wife there, I mean, I know my wife is, uh, you know, she avoids that sort of the ghost stuff and I'm always interested because I'm always interested in the magic, but, uh, have you, have you guys experienced something together? Um, yes and no. Uh, when we first started dating and, uh, I had a place up in, uh, West Hollywood and, uh, she would come over and, um, 
yeah, like if we're like lying down to sleep, um, I kept talking about like, I, I kept seeing like, and it, like, I didn't really see them, but I had such a good mental image of who they were, but it was like this guy and a girl in their mid twenties, you know, and they would be in my bedroom with me. And it, it was interesting because I, it's something that I can't explain. I don't know why I have that thought, but it was back when for me, daily, daily routine, um, I would meditate for 45 minutes. That's what I worked up to and even structured it to where, um, I wouldn't do it as I'm going to sleep. Like now it would have its own structured time and then I would still do other stuff. And then I, uh, head off the bed. So it, it was at that peak moment and all of a sudden, you know, this thing is happening, but, um, my wife, she, um, she really kind of helped teach me some tricks and stuff to where it's like, you know, uh, that couple that would show up, I'm like, they're actually pleasant. I'm like, there's something here that's not in human form. So that's off putting, but make peace with that. Like what's the worst that's going to happen. That was my approach with it. So they actually hung around for, you know, months. Um, but then there would be times that, uh, you know, you can hear um, down in mid city, uh, I would be home and all of a sudden I would just, you know, uh, I would get back on that high alert. Like there's something dangerous, you know, like 10 feet away from me. And uh, I don't know what it is. And that's when she taught me, it's like, you have to speak with um, intention behind it and tell it um, it's not welcome there. Uh, and it needs to leave immediately and you know once i started doing that um it, it was interesting how it, it it actually worked you know like yeah so it's i don't know it, it's been a very interesting side to you know how things come up because my wife tells me i have she refers to it as a uh, five second premonition like uh when i were sleeping and I woke up and just grabbed her and said, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And she was like, what, what, what's happening? And then about five seconds after that, we had a, an earthquake that was like knocking pictures off the wall and stuff like that. And then one, one day uh, we were driving on a one-on-one stop and go traffic. So it's not like driving for two hours, then you stop. Like it was just, you know, inching forward marching ant style. And um, yeah. And so I'm, um, sitting there and then i'm like oh god oh god and she's like what what i'm like i don't know and before i said i don't know we got rear-ended like this wow. this woman however it happened she you know was i thought keeping pace with us i guess she wasn't and she just hit us and she was going about like 30 miles an hour wow and so that and then uh the one time that it was interesting that I got called out in public and it was like, imagine being Spider-Man and you're at a house party and you do that web slinger thing to grab a drink and someone catches you. <laughs> like I had that moment where everybody's talking, everyone's having a good time and it was outside. So we had a couple of folding tables and drinks on it. And uh, I was talking to this girl and um, I reached down and grabbed her phone and she looked at me and said, what are you doing at that time? on the far side of the table, this guy backs into the table and knocks over like two drinks and would have just completely soaked her phone. So it, you know, so she called, 
she calls it my five second premonition. And it's something that, you know, I, I guess I'm lazy with it. Like I haven't looked into like, what is it? How can I control it? Exactly. What's happening there is something I haven't really examined before. That's amazing. I, 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 it sounds to me, as you're saying that it's like, you have some sort of ability, whether you want to call it like a psychic ability or a way to tap into the unknown, but there is absolutely something there, the pattern showing you when you're telling about the, the couple in the bed, I had something very similar happen to me, except, um, I'm, I'm a very light sleeper. My wife is a very heavy sleeper and we rented an Airbnb at this, like, it was a redone kind of little cabin. And then the middle of the night, man, like I heard like the most horrible sobbing, like, like it was just like, it was heavy, man. Like it was like, (laughs) it was, this is a a few years ago and you know, I've been on my path and then you were saying about, you know, your wife had taught you about intention and that has, is really the big thing too. But at the time Mm -hmm. I, 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 it it was so heavy and so shocking and so horrible. Like I just like, you know, and I, I had spiritual tools even back then, but when you're faced with an experience like that, like this thing was so loud, it was like, sound like a little, like a little girl. And like, I kind of looked in the corner. I just saw this dark shadow, just sobbing so heavily. And I was just like the feeling in my stomach just went, Oh my God. I just, I basically put a pillow over my head and was like, I'm not having any of this because this is too intense. And so that was just something I experienced by myself and we left the next day, but this stuff does happen, right? This happens to people. And I think there's, there's people out there and you're probably one of them that, there's these beings that can probably see that, that you have something there that you can, uh, they can re- uh, attach to or uh, gain your, uh, gain your attention. Right. But that intention that you're putting out that I'm here in peace, I'm here in love, mm-hmm. you know, probably just breaks that boundary down. Absolutely fascinating, man. I think uh, I'd be interested to see how you explore that further and how you would actually maybe bring that into a, perhaps a script or, or, or a film. <laughs> Um, what are your Definitely. thoughts on, 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 um, have you ever had any UFO experiences? Cause I know in California, they got a, a ton of UFOs flying around there and you, you always see, and even that recently the government has admitted to that UFOs are, are real in the past, like you said, a couple of years that most people don't even realize that they have said this. Have yeah. you had any experiences with UFOs? And uh, I haven't. And where, where my dad lived, out in the country, like across the street was a cornfield next door is grandma. And my senior year, the, the town got its first major upgrade. It got a, got a caution light installed in the town. So I'm talking about you're out in the country. Like they graduate six people, um, per year, you know, like very, very small. And, um, and I, I used to just, you know, like polish up work, shower, as uh, dinner's being uh, finished up, I would just, you know, stargaze. And I never, you know, experienced anything. Out in Los Angeles, uh, I've, I've had a few times, and I'm like, is that a helicopter? Is it somebody shooting with no permit and they put a drone up in the air? But then there were, like, a, a few times that, you know, I've seen, like, um, like a tight cluster of lights, that uh, instead of blinking, like, you know, caution as if it was a drone, like they just kind of stayed on. But um, yeah, they're like, I, I haven't really had an experience that really made me say, oh, that uh, I would lean towards that being a UFO versus something, you know, because uh, I definitely lean towards 
you know, like, okay, what's the plausible um, uh, explanation for this? And, you know, it's like every uh, possession horror movie. Like, no, she's... It, let's talk to science and doctors first before we turn to, you know, doing an exorcism. So that's kind of how I approach things. But, yeah, with UFOs, I haven't really, you know, seen something or maybe I have, but just haven't acknowledged it. I think if you're, if you're open to it, I think an experience will uh, be bound to come. I had uh, a, a one when I was, you know, and something you just, you, once you see it, you know, like your left brain just knows. And I was about 12 mm-hmm. and I lived in a small town too. And I saw this light floating in, in like where I know this like, field really well. I, I grew up in a town of about 2000 people and I saw this light about a mile away really bright light. And I was like thinking to myself, mm-hmm. what, what is that? Is that a farmer's light? A new farmer light went up and I'm thinking these thoughts in my head as I'm thinking these thoughts. I'm like, is that a plane? I don't see the blinking lights that you were saying. I don't, I don't sound a helicopter. It's not a plane. Is it a light? And then as soon as I had the thought, is that a UFO? This light shot straight up into space. At, like it, it was the speed of light because it left a trail of light. Like it went faster than the light was moving. And I saw the light pull behind it. Like Jeez. It, it blew my 12 year old mind wide open. I ran inside. <laughs> my mom was on the toilet. I still remember this. I go, mom, mom, I saw a UFO. And she's like, you know, reading her magazine. <laughs> my mom doesn't listen to this one. <laughs> um, but uh, she's like, sure. Yeah, sure. You did. Yeah. And she's trying to be supportive, but she didn't believe me. And I still, you know, it's impacted in my consciousness. So there's, you know, like we, like we just know what we experience, right? Like I can tell you this, I can say this is real, but until you kind of experience like your own, experience then it's just an interesting story and so that's that's why i think it's 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 important for people to be open right like if you don't want to experience the paranormal cool but i mean you know i think there's people that are atheists out there and i think we're so powerful as conscious beings that we can actually filter our reality to what we want to experience right and you can kind of measure that in psychology um so if people are like, no, that doesn't exist. No, I'm closed off. No, no, no. And then they build up this lens that they only see what they expect to see. And that happens mm-hmm. to a lot of us, right? And so the magic, yeah. that, that door of magic is closed off. So I think it's important for people to be, and that's why I think movies like this are cool. Like, you know, horror movies and thriller movies and ghost movies and all these movies are like, these things are based off a lot of the time of things that have happened to people. Mm-hmm. Right. And and uh, especially back to that magic door shutting, you know, that's why, um, um, you know, like my sister Cheyenne, I very specifically said before she knew how to lie to people and play pranks and stuff. So, you know, that and then the pretty lady standing at the foot of my bed, like people are, you know, I haven't been influenced and instructed to say that's not real. That's not what reality is this is what is real. So, you know, it's just a a free floating mind, just experiencing life. And all of a sudden, you know, that, that stuff comes up that and like pets. Um, I I had this, um, um, German shepherd called Onyx, beautiful, purebred German shepherd, uh, jet black, every inch of it. And we would be playing in the basement in that house for that crazy picture. And we'd be playing and, you know, it just start staring off. And at at that time, I'm like, okay, so there's something jesters around, you know, he's, he's, he's up to something. (laughs) 
So I love I love dogs yeah. and I love German shepherds. I grew up with them, by the way, as well. And those dogs and the cats, they can see at a level that we can't. Yeah. And so if your dog is are looking somewhere and you're staring at a wall, well, they're probably not staring at nothing, not to freak you yeah. out or anything <laughs> like that. But <laughs> they're they're there to help us, you know, be aware of these things that are around us. Mm-hmm. And they usually will bark uh, to try to help. But if there's, they can get scared too. I've seen them get scared. Yeah. So yeah, um, winding up here, I got maybe another question here for you. Um, sure. What's you know you mentioned you're kind of looking. You had some six to twelve scripts you're looking at. What what are you going to be working on the next say the six to twelve months? Like, what is your goal? What is what do you want to manifest in in your professional life? Uh, in my professional life, to m- m- manifest the reality where all of a sudden people are coming to me wanting me to, um, you know director films or you know people who are you know wanting to catch up to me because uh working in print modeling and, and acting um i had this moment where i was trying so hard kept my body on point uh, the moment i would eat i would set a timer for two hours to go off and then when i goes off that i would have to eat again and just hyper regimented doing everything doing my best and then at the end of the day, I would take my career and put it into somebody else's hands, uh, you know, a la a agent or manager. And I was very spoiled with, um, who I had in Miami, New York. And when I first moved to Los Angeles, but e- even then, like for as enthusiastic as they were, like I, it, it was much more recent when I made sense. Nobody's going to care about my own career as, as much as I do. So, you know, for me, the, the game plan is like, I'm going to blast off because every time I would blast off and just do my own thing, all of a sudden, that's when people, you know, they start chasing me down like, Hey, can we talk? You know, let's do this and do that. So for me, it's, you know, I'm really wanting to let people know, uh, this movie's out, what it's about. So when they talk to me, uh, I can also talk to them about a cult, a culpable reckoning the color of sin and you know, all of these various movies I have um, and the current, you know, stuff that I'm examining in my own life, you know, it, it does question kind of what is consciousness meaning of life. So, um, you know, that's kind of where I am. So, yeah. Beautiful. Is there anything that you want to say to the audience uh, this time Um, at this time? Yeah. Um, please watch the movie, not just so, you know, I gained some clout, but I love feedback. Like, you know, I've, well, back to, you know, talking to baseball scouts and wrestling scholarships and cage fighting, uh, you know, for 25 years, I, I've been a hyperactive athlete. So I'm like, so if you see something that you loved in the movie, please tell me and that, if you have a, your own interpretation of it, I would love to hash, hash that out. But if you have something that you didn't like or something you felt like I could have done better, I'm totally willing to accept that feedback as well because anything I hear is just going to help me sharpen my tool. So the next thing I do uh, is going to be even better, even better, and so on and so forth. So yeah. That's wonderful. That's That'd great. Just, That's- please re- Sorry to cut you off, but please reach out, say hi. Um, and that's that's all I want. 
That's awesome. Thank you for that, uh, Bo. And I'll be leaving a link to more about Bo and his film in the podcast notes below. So please definitely check him out. He's a very interesting guy. He's a very wonderful guy. He's full of love and he's full of wisdom. So please check him out. And Bo, thank you so much for being with me here. It's been an absolute pleasure. Likewise. Likewise.